0: Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business, Diana Perkoth-Roth. She is a longtime regular now on the Price of Business. We have her on uh, every month. Love having her on the program. One of the things that uh, she just brings a wealth of knowledge and information to every single interview. She has a background in academia, as a professor in economics. She's worked in senior levels of government uh, as an economist. And she works uh, for one of the uh, most important think tanks in Washington, D.C., which is the Heritage Foundation. And the energy space, or really energy economic space, is probably the best way to describe a work there. Diane, I always love having you on the program. Before we get going on our topic today, which I'm really excited about, I'm I'm glad you suggested it. Uh, It's so timely. Uh, Give your website, your best website, where they can find everything you do.
1: Oh, it's dianafr.com, www.dianafr.com.
0: Love it. Make sure you check that out. All right, we're going to get uh, into a topic that's really timely. I, I, for one, you know, I'm, I'm among many who are concerned about uh, what's going on with weather and the changes that are happening in weather. I've lived in Houston, for example, since uh, 1990, and I've had uh, about three times more major storms impacting either home or car in the past eight years than all the years before combined, And so there's something happening, and I see what's happening in the news. And then what I see in the news is that, you know, in terms of other places around the country that continue to have weird stuff like snow snow in in July. Really? (laughs) You know, things like that. And so I know there's something going on, and to to me what's really kind of distressing is that uh, progressive have taken an approach that uh, is really almost like fairy tellish not a whole lot of basis in the science, not a whole lot of proof that it's going to change things, very expensive. And the problem really, it really I, I almost think the problem needs more of a tactical approach than it does a strategic approach. It certainly needs both, I guess, but you have to have more tactical where you can prove you're going to make things better. And uh, you, you know, brought to my attention an interesting article about uh, how they're having conversations in Sweden with young people about the environment and, and about climate change that are very different. So with that, go ahead and set the stage for us.
1: Well, I was fortunate to be able to travel to a conference put on by a European think tank called New Direction, and this was in Sweden in Sundbyholm, Sweden, a beautiful town by a lake, uh, where there were over 100 young people who came to a summit. And they were interested in a variety of issues. And what I talked to them about were uh, alternatives to liberal climate myths, uh, to the climate alarmism, and what one could do to reduce global emissions. And it was very interesting to meet them. They were all really interested in the topic. And they want truth, Kevin. They don't want greenwashing. They don't want hypocrisy. Uh, They want the honest
0: truth. Yeah, and I think it's uh, long overdue. And I think that, you know, what you do is you raise a really good point. This is such of a hyper narrow focus. Um, again, not necessarily built on science. A lot of it is built on hope, speculation, fantasy. And the fantasy isn't merely trying to have a better environment. I think a lot of that fantasy is a lot more government control. I think a lot of the left's approach is more about control than it is improving things. That's what I think when I look at it. And uh, we we need to put everything on the table in a conversation. We want to be honest and actually make progress.
1: Right, and we also need to acknowledge that moving energy-intensive manufacturing from Europe and from the United States to China will not reduce global emissions. In fact, it could increase global emissions because China makes the same kinds of manufacturing with dirty coal-fired plants as opposed to clean natural gas in the United States and nuclear in Europe. Uh, and other kinds of natural gas also in Europe and oil. But basically, taking manufacturing, moving it from the West to Asia, doesn't reduce global emissions. If we want to reduce global emissions, we need to take another look. We need to focus on nuclear, which is dense emissions-free energy. And we need to focus on more natural gas. Uh, and many of these countries, such as Hungary, have natural gas.
0: Uh, mm mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, and I think you know, come on, to me it's just laughable. Uh, one of the reasons why you have uh, successful uh, countries that have implemented strict policies that, that not only work but are actually enforced is because of rule of law. And China doesn't really care about rule of law. It really is uh, driven by whatever dictate them, uh, dictum rather that the uh, that the regime wants. And it's so intellectually dishonest. You used the word about it. You used the word hypocrisy earlier uh, among progressives. Uh, progressives who believe that they're going to get the results they want through uh, China uh, being our savior, they really are both hypocritical or extremely ignorant, one of the two.
1: Yes, and I was referring to the hypocrisy in that they, many of them tell people not to travel, and yet they travel on their private jets the conferences all over the world, such as the World Economic Forum in Dallas or uh, COP27 uh, or COP26 in Scotland. So they travel to these conferences in in their private jets and then they tell people like us that we shouldn't travel on vacation in normal commercial jets, which uses a lot smaller carbon footprint per person than does a private jet. But to get back to China, China has not even agreed to reduce emissions right now. So they said now that they would start reducing emissions in 2027. We haven't seen, we're not in 2027. We don't know whether they will, in fact, reduce emissions. But until 2027, they are certainly increasing their production of coal fired power plants. So they're building more coal fired power plants every day. They have large numbers of coal fired power plants, and they are adding to them. So they might say they have wind and solar and electric vehicles. These electric vehicles are being driven by electricity, mainly powered by coal-fired power plants. So
0: that yeah. is we're not, not reducing even talking. global emissions. Yeah, we're they're not, not even talking, talking about even. reducing emissions. Yeah. yeah, and we're not even talking about clean coal. You know, and clean coal isn't perfect, right. but it's way cleaner than the kind of stuff that they are using that was the primary energy source and, you know, of coal, uh, the, the same coal that uh, drew, uh, you could say literally drove China for uh, centuries. There's nothing new here, nothing clean or advanced about it. it. It's so bizarre. I just sit there and scratch my head. Um, you know, and I think so much of it has to do with foreign policy objectives beyond, uh, you know, beyond. Energy policy beyond environmental policy, and I don't know what they are. They seem kind of perverse or at least confused. So, um, talk so a Russia bit. So we, and we, India.
1: R- R- Russia and India also uh, are not reducing emissions. Then we have Africa and Latin America, where people want to get to Western standards of living. They are using uh, wood and dung. Uh, they don't have electricity. They don't. Many of them don't have running water. And they need to get up to our standards of living. They cannot do that on wind and solar alone. So they need uh, dense uh, forms of energy, such as natural gas or coal or nuclear. And if the West is really interested in reducing emissions, then we should lend or encourage Latin American, and African countries to use nuclear power. There are small modular reactors. There are large nuclear power plants. This is emissions-free energy that will enable these countries to get up to Western standards of living. And when people say nuclear isn't safe, well, France has used nuclear power uh, for the past 50 years. 70% of French electricity was generated by nuclear power.
0: Yeah, it's your default uh, energy form. They love it. They absolutely love it. Yeah, no question about it. Okay, so talk about some of these ways that uh, you can uh, reduce the carbon footprint beyond, I think, again, romantic, fairy ish ways that we hear from progressives.
1: So I think it would be good to focus on uh, natural gas, which has resulted in a decline of 1,000 million metric tons of carbon emissions in the United States over the past 15 years. In contrast, China's has gone up by 5,000 million metric tons. So now the use of natural gas reduces emissions. The use of nuclear uh, reduces uh, emissions. And these are inexpensive ways of running electricity systems. The problem with wind and solar is that to add it to the grid is costly. Everyone has noticed that they're Electricity bills are going up. This is uh, putting pressures on inflation in different parts of the world, and it raises costs to poor people. It's not environmental justice to raise electricity bills of poor people and small businesses and farmers. Uh,
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Again, it's a variety type of approach. It should be real world. It should recognize where the players are. As you mentioned, the third world—they really are almost early twentieth century. (laughs) Yeah, some of these places, maybe late nineteenth century. We have to recognize. Yeah, late nineteenth century. I mean,
1: many of them don't have. Yes, many of them don't have electricity. They don't have running water. Uh, That's more. uh, Yeah, uh, eighteenth and nineteenth centuries and twentieth
0: century. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, and even even some of our friends in Eastern Europe. I looked at you know the, the challenges Poland has. Poland's number one export is coal. You know they need a transition time. They need a process. And we certainly want to uh, you know help a country like uh, like Poland, which has been a great bastion of freedom in that region, and and really an example of how free markets can work for that region.
1: Exactly. And the Heritage Foundation, where I work, is going to be sponsoring a conference with the Warsaw Institute in November, the Warsaw Institute based in Poland, uh, to explore these different types of solutions. And young people are very interested in clean air. They're also interested in practical solutions, and they don't want to be lied to. And we shouldn't be telling them lies, like moving production to China is going to reduce global emissions. It won't. Taking manufacturing from a place where laws are required to have it operate in a clean manner to a place where it's operated in a dirty manner and there are fewer laws does not reduce global emissions. It might make people feel good, but it just hollows out the economies of those countries. It results in lost jobs, higher electricity prices, more inflation, and all for nothing. All for nothing. That's the sad part.
0: All for nothing. Diana, always love having you on the program. Give your website one more time and your final thoughts as we wrap it up.
1: My website is www.dianafr.com. And my final thoughts are that as we head into the summer with strains on the electricity grid, we need to be focusing on America's natural resources of natural gas and oil to power us forward and not, wind, and solar, which only account for 5% of electricity production globally as well as in the United States.
0: Absolutely. Very good note. And uh, uh, reality check is what we're talking about. We need something that need policies that are based on reality, not the fantasy that we hear so much about, which is really more of a nightmare than a fantasy. So thanks so much for being with us. I am Kevin Price, and this is the nationally syndicated Price of Business show. Stay tuned for more.